This is New Life Christian Fellowship's weekly message podcast. You can find us online at newlifepetaluma.org. And now, this week's message. Hey, good morning. Welcome to church. Happy Sunday morning. My name is Ron, and uh, I'm so excited to get to delve into a topic today that I think is so appropriate for our world, our country, our community, and certainly for our church I've never known a season in my lifetime where our world needed the beauty of Jesus more than it does right now. Thank you, Spike and Sarah, for singing that beautiful song and getting our hearts pointed in the right direction. In spite of all that's happening in our world today, I have some really good news, and I'm so excited to be able to bring it to you. It's rooted in the life and the teachings of Jesus and uh, it's recorded in the writings of his followers. So I want to go straight to the writing of a guy who, who was a Jesus hater and, and a people persecutor. And eventually he became a, a real lover of Jesus and such a wonderful people person. His name is Paul. And I want to I read to you what he wrote to his friends uh, in the province of Galatia. He said, when the Holy Spirit controls our lives, he will produce, and I want you to think develop, he will produce or develop this kind of fruit in us. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Now, when I read that list, I th- two things come to mind. Number one, How different would our world be if those were the characteristics that prevailed in Washington, D.C., in our homes and families, in our workplaces? Think about that love, joy, peace. Does that bring Capitol Hill to mind? Probably not. And yet the sad reality is it could. And that's the beauty of Jesus that we would love to see in our world. And the second thing that comes to my mind is when I read that list of characteristics, doesn't, doesn't that just bring to mind the life of Jesus? That's exactly how he lived. And um, I want to say two things about that. First of all, that passage that I just read is a promise from God to you and me. And that means if God promises it, It could be a reality for us if we choose to accept that promise. And secondly, it's the Holy Spirit that does the heavy lifting. It's the Holy Spirit that does the producing, not us. And that brings us to what is our big scale hack for this series. And that is when we're short on fruit, we go to the root and the root is the Holy Spirit. Instead of when we're, go, when we're short on fruit, we work harder, we redouble our efforts, we try harder, we feel more guilty. None of those things. When we're short on fruit, we go to the root and it's the Holy Spirit who will develop these things in our life. Now, today's subject is the subject of kindness. And uh, it was in that list. And I just want to tell you up front, it's way more profound than I had expected until I delved into it. And that brings to mind some questions I've been pondering, and I'm sure you've pondered some of these questions too. So 
the first one is this. What went on in the minds of seemingly normal Germans that would motivate them to incarcerate, starve, and eventually incinerate millions of Jews? How could that happen? What goes on in the minds of parents that would motivate them to abuse and even sometimes kill their own children? What goes on in the mind of a man that would motivate him to put his knee on the neck of another man for eight minutes and 46 seconds until the other man stopped breathing? How could that happen? Who could do that? What goes on in the minds of people that would motivate them to burn a church building, kill all the men, rape all the women, and then slaughter all the children? How could they do that? And last of all, what goes on in the mind of a man that would motivate him to walk into a public space and begin shooting innocent people until finally he's taken out of the pictures? How could that happen? You see, you and I both know that those sorts of things are happening in our world all too often. Our time in history is being marked by political polarization and division, by racial battle lines, by a crisis in loyalty. Never have employers been less loyal to their employees <clears throat> and never have employees been less loyal to their parents in my lifetime for sure. So what's going on? Well, all of us know that something is broken. All of us know that something is terribly wrong. The pundits and the people of influence are all calling for change. And Simon Sinek, who's one of the great voices of our time, has a suggestion for something that would really help. So take a look at his video called Kindness Begets Kindness. Acts of kindness, acts of generosity is how simple it is to make people feel good. I was walking down the streets of New York City and a guy walking in front of me, his backpack opened and a bunch of paper fell out on the, on the street. I didn't think much of it. I bent down, I gathered up the papers, handed them back to him and pointed out that his, his bag had opened. Now in our bodies there's a chemical called oxytocin. Oxytocin is responsible for all the warm and fuzzies, unicorns and rainbows. It's responsible for all the warm feelings and connectedness we have with each other. Friendship, love. Huge amounts of oxytocin surge through a woman's body as she gives birth. This is what is responsible for the mother-child bond. Oxytocin binds human beings. There are many ways to get oxytocin. One of them is acts of kindness and acts of generosity. It feels good when we do something nice for someone. It feels good when someone does something nice for us. On this particular day, I did something for someone with no expectation of anything in return. I got a little surge of oxytocin. I felt good. He turned to me and he said, thank you. It feels nice when someone does something for us with no expectation of anything in return. He felt good. I walked to the end of the street. I'm waiting to cross the street. And a total stranger who happened to be standing next to me said, I saw what you did back there. That was really cool. As it turns out, Witnessing an act of generosity <laughs> releases oxytocin, and he felt good. 
And the best part about oxytocin is the more oxytocin we have in our bodies, the more generous we become. It is Mother Nature's way of trying desperately to get us to look after each other. I can guarantee you that that man who witnessed what I did did something nice for somebody that day simply because he saw someone do something nice for somebody that day. So what if we commit to do something nice for someone with no expectation of anything in return? Imagine what happens at work. Imagine what happens at home. Imagine what happens with our friends. But it must be genuine. So Simon is such a great thinker, and I love what he says here. He says that, it, that there are two great reasons why we should practice kindness. And the first is so we get kindness back. And the second is because if we do kindness, it actually grows kindness. And both of those things are true, but there's actually a source of kindness that's way deeper and way more profound than those two great reasons. And that's what I want to dig into today, because if we can get to the source of kindness, it has the power not just to change a little bit of our world, it has the power to actually change our whole world. But to understand it, you and I must understand something about our own human nature. And the first thing is this, that kindness has been hardwired into us. It's in there by God's design, and I know it gets covered up and, and, and stuff, but it's in there, and I'll tell you how I know it's in there. Uh, if it, and it really doesn't make any difference who we are. If we happen on an accident, and uh, we pull over to the side of the road, and we get up there, and somebody is trapped in a vehicle, there's an amazing thing that happens in us. Uh, we don't ask, how old is that person? What race is that person? What color is their skin? How successful are they? How beautiful are they? All the stuff that oftentimes we filter people through, it all goes away. And in that moment of time, we see them as they actually really are a fellow human being. And somehow we put ourselves in their space and we say, if I was in that space, what would I want? And that's what we do. And we find the kindness that's been in us all the time. It's the part of us that's referred to when, when the Bible says that we are made in God's image. All that good stuff is in there. And we have to know that to understand our own nature. But there's a second part of our nature, and that is, and that is this, that our naturally kind nature has been broken by sin. And that's why it gets covered up all the time. And the truth is, unfortunately, you and I tend to act out of our brokenness more often than we act out of that naturally good, kind, wonderful part of us that God put in us. And, and the terrible thing is, when we act out of our brokenness, it sometimes gives us permission to treat people in very inhumane ways. Because acting in our brokenness dehumanizes them to some degree. We live far too often in that nature. So what's the answer? Well, the answer is Jesus who brought a whole new perspective of, of love and it, and it has a whole new divine dimension that Jesus brought. And that's what 
the Holy Spirit wants to put in us. And we're going to tie that directly into kindness here in a minute. You see, what you and I need to know and what Jesus lived out every day was this thing called empathy. And empathy is the catalyst part of love that moves it into action. And empathy moved Jesus to leave heaven and come to live on earth as a human being. That was an act of empathy. Empathy is what motivated Jesus to give his life for us. Empathy is what motivates God to give us grace. So what is empathy? Well, empathy is the ability to use our imagination and to put ourselves in another person's place. It's what enables us to feel in our hearts what other people feel in their hearts, not just to know it in our head. Empathy says, when, when I empathize with you, whatever pain you're going through, whatever joy you're going through, I feel the same pain that you feel. I feel it with you. And I feel the same joy that you feel. I feel it with you. And Jesus continually did this. This is the, the, the real secret in his life. Jesus was continually looking at the world through other people's eyes. Let me read you two uh, passages of scripture and comment on them a little bit. Uh, Matthew tells us one day when he was with Jesus, he, he writes, when Jesus saw the people, he was moved with compassion because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. Now, there's some great insight in that description that Matthew gives us. First of all, Jesus just didn't see people. He entered into their personal world and he saw and felt in his heart what they saw and felt in theirs. And when he looked at them, he could see, oh my goodness, they're harassed and they're helpless. They're lost. And he chose to see the world through their eyes and it moved him to have compassion. Now that's a compound word and it comes from the prefix cum or come, which means with or like and passion, which means the deep feeling. And we're going to find that one of the key ingredients in helping change our world is this idea that you and I can actually get in other people's shoes without intruding into their lives. But if we care to listen and interact with them, <clears throat> we can actually learn to feel in our heart what they feel. And when that happens, some really beautiful things take place. Let me read you another passage of scripture and again about Jesus. Since the children of God are made of flesh and blood, well, the Savior took on flesh and blood in order to rescue them. That's why he entered into every detail of human life. Can you see Jesus getting out of his world and into ours? <clears throat> the passage goes on to say, Then, when he came before God to get rid of people's sins, he would have already experienced it all 
himself. All the pain, all the testing, and would be able to help where help was needed. You see, what we're learning is, in order to love and understand people, Jesus chose to live in their world. And that brings up a really important question for you and me, and that is, whose world are we living in? This is a root problem in our world. We have all been living in our own worlds. What the, world's need, what the world needs is people who will step out of their own world and step out of a world that's focused all about them and begin to see and feel things through other people's eyes and hearts. If we do this, we'll end up loving them instead of judging them. <clears throat> you see, the hack to solving bigotry, division, abuse, hatred, genocide, all those things, the hack to solving that is actually kindness. Because if we treated people with kindness, none of those things would happen. And the hack to developing kindness is empathy, the skill of being able <clears throat> to get in their world and to understand their world um, and to order our life in ways that would make their world better. And the hack to developing empathy is love. Now, you and I have been sold a bill of goods that is, well, unfortunately, we bought into it hook, line, and sinker, and it's the it, it sort of is the panacea of our day. We've been told that tolerance is the key. That we can all peacefully coexist <clears throat> if we practice tolerance. You know, you live in your world, believe what you want to believe, act however you want to believe, uh, do whatever you want to do, and as, as long as it doesn't physically hurt me or financially hurt me or emotionally hurt me, then fine, I'll tolerate you. And I will expect the same of you, that you will tolerate me. And if we'll all just tolerate each other, the world will be a peaceful place. Friends, as good as that sounds, I would like to submit that I think tolerance is actually an imposter. Jesus never once spoke of tolerance because he had such a higher ideal for all human beings. He said, love one another. You see, tolerate, toleration can only teach me to tolerate you. It can't teach me to love you. It can't teach me to empathize with you. It can't really teach me how to treat you with kindness. It's just you stay in your space and I'll stay in my space and everything will be okay. And we've bought into that. But it robs our human spirits of the highest and noblest expression that, that our spirits have, and that is the, the expression of love. Genuine love and care for each other. Not tolerance, but real love. There's a beautiful relationship that exists between three characteristics that we all value. Love, empathy, and kindness. And I want to illustrate it uh, with with uh, some things that I have brought today. So um, 
there's, there's this wonderful synergy, and we're going to let this represent love, and we're going to let this represent empathy. And the interesting uh, synergistic relationship between these two is this. The more we love, it turns out, the more we empathize with our fellow man. And the more we empathize with our fellow man, the more we love. And the more we love, the more we empathize. And the more we empathize, the more we love. And the more we empathize. And so it goes, those two synergistically uh, help grow each other. But there's an amazing thing that happens when we take empathy and love and we put them together and watch what happens when we put empathy and love together. There's this beautiful thing that's produced and starts to overflow out of our hearts and lives. Because when you marry empathy and love, you always get kindness. It's the root of kindness. And this is what we actually need in our world because where kindness exists, bigotry goes away. Where kindness exists, abuse goes away. Where kindness exists, all these terrible things that we talk about, they go away. There are no more mass shootings. There are no more church buildings being burned down and, and men being killed and women being raped and all those sorts of things because they don't, they never come out of kindness. So when we live in our own world, the truth is we tend to dehumanize other people without even meaning to. They become obstacles that get in our way. They become obstacles that inconvenience us. We don't understand why they think like that. We don't understand why they believe what they believe. We, we don't understand why they act the way they act. We don't understand why they're afraid of what they're afraid of. We don't understand the choices that they make in life because we don't actually get in their world. They seem foreign to us. They seem other to us. And therefore, the one thing we know about ourselves is we're human. And the more other they are from us, the less actual human they seem to us. And when we dehumanize anyone, if we're not careful, we end up giving ourselves to treat them as less than human. However, when we choose to live in their world, this beautiful thing happens. They become fully human to us, as human as we are, as precious as we are, as treasured as we are. So what do we do with this? Well, there's a wonderful thing that we can do. And I'm going to close by giving us three things that we can do. And the first is ask. Remember at the beginning of this teaching, I said that this idea of love, joy, peace, patience, goodness, kindness, gentleness, faithfulness, and self-control, that all those are actually part of a promise 
that God makes to us. And I reassured us that the Holy Spirit does the heavy lifting. So the whole thrust of this teaching this morning is not that you and I would go out and try harder to be kind. The whole thrust of this is that you and I would simply ask and consistently ask the Holy Spirit to develop in us this concept of kindness, to develop in us the skill of empathy, to develop in us this outlook and attitude of love that wants to walk in another person's world and live in another person's world. Because friends, I know sometimes this can feel like, oh, I'm giving in to them. Why would I live in their world when I could live in my own world? That's kind of like giving in to them. No, friend, it's not giving in to them. It's living in their world so that you can love them, so that you can understand them, and so that you can be peacefully and lovingly related and that you can treat each other with kindness. So the first thing we can do is ask God to grow this love, this empathy, this kindness in us. But the second thing is, we need to expect. You know, when we ask God something, He's going to act on it. So how are you and I going to grow and develop this? this, How's God going to do this in us? Well, I think we should expect Him to put someone in our path that's different from us very different from us, maybe even someone who irritates us sometimes. Someone who thinks radically different from what we think and someone who might even look radically different from what we look and someone who behaves and makes different decisions than we behave. And God's putting them right in our path because he's going to use that person to grow and develop those skills in us. And so first is ask, Second is expect. And then the third is to step. Step out of our world and step into their world. Right now, if, if, you, if you would really want to make a significant contribution toward uh, the healing of, of the racial tension and division that's in our country, find, if you're white, find a person of color that's already in your world and ask permission to begin to walk in their world. I have a number of of people of color who are in my friendship circle and some of them live in Portland, Oregon where I used to live and some of them live here in town and some live in other places around the world. I'm personally on a mission of interviewing or going to dinner or going to lunch with every one of those people that I can, calling them on the phone um, and, and just saying to them, tell me your story. Tell me what it's like to be a person of color in our country, in our community. Tell me what it's like to be a person of color in church. And then I'm just listening. I am stepping out of my world and stepping into theirs. It's not about what I know. Actually, it's more about what I don't know, but what I need to know. So ask, then expect, and then step.
If it seems too big, I have an idea. Start with just one person. It's amazing what can happen in our lives if, if we could understand the power of just one person. And I want to close with a song that Darby and Heather and Mark are, are going to sing for us. And it talks about the power of the one looking for just the one. Let's pray. God, would you help us to step out of our world and into the worlds of people around us so that we could come to see them as they are, not as we want them to be or expect them to be, but we can see them as they truly are. And would you teach us and develop in us the skill of being able to empathize with them, to understand maybe why they think the way they think and why they choose the way they choose. And God, would you help us to do that without judgment, without trying to fix them, without trying to make them like us, but that we could see them as just human beings, fellow human beings who are doing their best to make it through this life given the challenges that they've had to face. And God, would you put one person in front of us this week that we could start that journey with. And God, we're trusting that you will develop in us love that will grow in us empathy that will manifest itself as genuine kindness to them and then by extension eventually to the rest of the people in our world. That's our prayer. We pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you so much for tuning in today. Now enjoy this song by Darby, Heather, and Mark. We hope you enjoyed this week's message. You can find more information about New Life, including contact information at newlifepetaluma.org. Thanks for listening.